Welcome back. We are here in episode 10 already. Even, even though it's actually not even 10, it's longer than 10 weeks that we've been doing this because there's been a couple of times that we haven't recorded. But 10 weeks for 10 episodes. That's crazy. Right? So um, we were, Adrian and I were just having a conversation about AI and leadership and management, empowering people, effective. Gosh. We had a lot of topics. So many things. Oh, man, that's true. We did. We went from AI to management to, man, we, we touched a lot of topics. That was crazy. <laughs> in like in an hour-ish. Oh, no, actually like an hour and a half. Mm. Man, time flies when you're in deep conversation over the most yeah. random things. But we were talking about chat GPT and how crazy... Um, Technology is with this new platform. What would you call that? I don't know, man. It's like right now I'm calling it a genie that's getting let out of the bottle. I don't know. It just seems it's like a it's a tool, um, but it's interesting because now it's like okay, how's everybody going to use this tool? They're going to use it in so many different ways, and it aggregates so much um, information that it can be used in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. Crazy. (sighs) Yeah. Um, It's going to be exciting to see the, the types of companies that come out because of this. And also the type of efficiencies that we're going to see in business um, because of this tool. Mm Mm-hmm. There was something you told me at breakfast this morning to remind you about. Oh, yeah. What was that? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I remember. Oh, you do? I, yeah, okay. I remember. <laughs> that would have been horrible, right? You told me to remind you. And now I want you to remind me what you told me. No. Um, the waiting. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Let, let me build some context on how this conversation started. So, so about a week ago I was getting ready for the day and I was, uh, thinking about where I'm at in my season currently. And there are some things that I have been praying about, kind of been holding on to hope for. And, um, I've come to this kind of like this point in this season where I started thinking about what am I hoping for? And, and uh, also what am I believing in faith for? And, um, and this is not a question of do I have a belief in God or is my faith real? That's, that's not what I was thinking through. This was a, if, if I am now divorced and, I am looking at the future. Well, there are things that I wanted during the whole process of divorce that didn't come to 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 fruition, right? Mm-hmm. And now my mindset has kind of naturally have 
kind of pivot and shift shifted and shaped into well what what do I want now and what is God telling me that I need in this moment and um and I'm and I'm sure and I've you know speaking to friends that have gone through really tough situations whether it's like a loss of a parent or um or a spouse um, or even a loss of a child there are some really deep questions that come out of those seasons of, okay, well, should I be like, if, if I look to the future, should I be hoping for a new relationship, a new spouse, a new, what does that look like? Or, or not. There's things like I even think about in terms of like jobs, right? I, like, I know I can go work for any tech company that's willing to give me a job, but am I going to be happy? Like, is that going to be fulfilling to me? And knowing my personality, this is where those questions started to come up. And I started thinking about, well, how does this align to what God is telling me now? Because there's, there's, uh, There are some things that we are, my my business partner, Jack, and I are building for our company. And we're partnering with other people. And I know that there is blessing at the end of the waiting if I just hold out. And I can do an interim thing, but I know it's going to take my attention off of my, my business and driving that forward. And so I was thinking about, well, in this waiting as I'm like trying to, get this company up off the floor and bring in revenue so I can start making money. And, uh, then that funneled into like, you know, being a father and being a spouse or a boyfriend and Mm -hmm. being a friend. And what are the things that actually matter that I should be holding on to hope for and believing in faith for? But as I was talking to you this, this morning, what I alluded to was how tough the waiting period is. Because if you know, if you have a word from God that's telling you, stay on track, don't move off of this path. This leads to what I want for your life. And I was thinking about this even after we left breakfast. I was like, well, I could be praying for God to bring me a job, and he probably would because I'm asking for it. And I can choose to go and take something and then kind of put my business as a kind of like a side piece and not worry about it. But am I really living in what God has called into my life? So the difficulty in the waiting for me, because I'm a go-getter, I'm like, I move out the way, God, let me, you're, you're taking too long. Let me just take this like job and make some cash and feel comfortable or I can continue to wait, be patient for what he has on the other side of this hill. And that's, uh, that's difficult. I think, and you mentioned it and I'm glad that you mentioned it. Like all of us deal with that. Like the waiting sucks, especially when you have, when you can see something being formed, you can't see the end result, but you can see it being formed. Like I know, I know for a fact that like me being 
CEO to my company is not going to fulfill something internally that God is doing in my heart. But that is a fruit of, or I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not as I'm processing it. When you mentioned the waiting this morning, we were talking and I remembered hearing waiting a couple of times. And the thing that, that came to mind is, um, a pastor Paul and I had years and years ago. I remember he, he, he preached a message on waiting and he said, um, I remember he asked the question, when you're in the difficult place of waiting, are you waiting for God or are you waiting on God? And when he said waiting on God, he said, I mean like a waiter. Are you waiting on him? Like, Lord, what, what, would you, what do you want me to do right now? What do you need right now, Lord? What can I, how can I serve you in this moment? And sometimes while we're waiting for the other thing, I think, I know for me, there have been times where I'm waiting for him to do something, Mm -hmm. but I'm not necessarily waiting on him, asking what I can do. Mm. And I sense there's something coming, but I'm like, God, hurry up. And then I feel a conviction of, you know, God saying, yeah, hurry up. There's things I want you to do right now and yeah. you're not doing them. Yeah. There's things that, that I intend for you. My will is for you to be doing certain things right now because those things might be part of the process to get you to that place that you're waiting for. Yeah. But you need to listen to me. Listen to me. You need to obey you need to, to be waiting. We need to be waiting on him. Saying, God, what what do I do in this moment? And it's in the small things and the big things. I mean, each and every day. Like, Lord, what would you have me do today? What what are you what are you doing? What what do you want me to see? Who do you want me to see? Yeah. What do you want me to to say? What are you calling me to do even today? And that's a very different, it's a very different place to, to be in a place where um, you're asking God and listening and saying, God, what, what do you want me to do today? That's very different than saying, God, when are you going to do this thing that I asked for a long time ago? Because one of them, one of those questions puts us in a position that's very passive, and the other one, we're in a position that's that's ready to do something in this moment. Even if it's not directly the thing that, that we're waiting for further out. It's like, no, what, what do you, God, what do you want me to do today mm. in this moment? And I think often we miss, we miss that. I know I've missed that. I've been in positions where I'm waiting for, and it makes the waiting... Um, feel like it's a lot longer. It makes the waiting a lot more painful, a lot more stressful when I'm just, and there's a lot more frustration when I'm just waiting for 
something to happen. I'm waiting for him to do something. But we can be doing both. We can be waiting for God to do something, but at the same time waiting on God, saying, God, here's what, how can I serve you today? Yeah. I brought this up a couple episodes ago, maybe maybe even three or four episodes back, on the fastest way out of your valley is by serving others. And I think a lot of us lose sight of that because of the stress of not seeing something happen. And I'm very much the type of person, like when I don't see something happen, I'm like, okay, I got to go and do it myself. Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's why, here's why I lit up when you said that. So this morning's daily Bible reading had to do with uh, Saul and Samuel. We talked about this for Okay. It's hit like when, hit me with it. Yeah, what, what you just said. <laughs> what you just said. It's like, you know. So Israel wants a king, and then Samuel goes and anoints Saul, right? And he's like, okay, you wanted a king, you got a king now. And now they're going through these struggles, they're going through these battles, and there's this one situation where um, Saul is supposed to wait for Samuel to arrive and to to prepare and, and perform the burnt offerings. Samuel doesn't arrive when Saul expected him to. So Saul, I guess, being a man of action is like, well, Samuel's not here. I'm not just going to sit around. And it said that the men were falling off to the left and the right. It's like, I'm losing my army. We're just sitting here waiting. Samuel hasn't shown up. Nothing's happening. So you know what? I'm going to make something happen. I will give the burnt offerings. I'll make something happen. He didn't wait. And the Bible says that right after he did that, Samuel shows up. He's like, yo, bro, what are you doing? (laughs) What on earth are you doing? Yeah. He's like, well, you didn't show up. So I, I, you know, I, I prepared and gave the burnt offerings. And then it's harsh. Because then it goes on to say, you've done a foolish thing. What on earth have you done? Don't you know that God is already looking for your replacement? Because you've done this thing. Sometimes we just got to wait. Dude. That's scary to think about. Thinking about. God saying, hey, you didn't do what I asked you to do. I'm going to have somebody else do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, make no mistake. God's will will be fulfilled with or without us. Yes. With or without me. If I don't do the thing he's called me to do, he'll raise somebody else. Somebody else will. How arrogant is it for us to actually think that we have that much power in God's will. Think about that. Like the arrogance to think like, I'm the answer. No, God's like, I'll partner with you and you can be a part of this. I want to use you, but don't get it twisted, buddy. You're not the reason 
this is happening. And I think that's what I hear as you, as you painted that picture with Saul, which is God's not going to wait on you forever. He wants to work with us. He gives us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing. But we have to obey. Gotta say yes. And sometimes that saying yes means waiting. Yeah. But even in that waiting on that thing, there's something we can be doing. Oh Lord, if you want me to wait here, what can I do as I as I sit here and wait for that thing? What can I be doing in this moment, Lord? How can I serve you in this moment? We talked about this earlier. I had mentioned to you that we got to be careful because the accolades of our serving others in the past is not what's going to carry us in the current moment. Yeah. <laughs> Were you looking for the scripture? Yeah, I was looking for the way they put it because I remember um, it just hit hit me really hard. Yeah, I'm trying to remember Samuel ordaining Saul as king. Is this during that time when he was going to... It was after. It was after, okay. Was it in the battle? They were on their way to go... Yeah, they were they were in the middle of a battle or waiting or there was a pause in a battle. And um, yeah, so here it is. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13. So it said, um, when the Israelites saw that they were outnumbered and in deep trouble, they ran for cover, hiding in caves and pits, ravines and brambles and cisterns, wherever. They retreated across the Jordan River, refugees fleeing to the country of Gad, of Gad and Gilead. But Saul held his ground in Gilgal, his soldiers still with him, but scared to death. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel failed to show up at Gilgal, and the soldiers were slipping away right and left. So Saul took charge. Bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. He, he went ahead and sacrificed the burnt offering. No sooner had he done it that Samuel showed up. Saul greeted him. Samuel said, what on earth are you doing? Saul answered, well, when I saw I was losing my army from under me and that you hadn't come when you said you would and that the Philistines were poised at Michmash, I said the Philistines were about to come down on me in Gilgal and I haven't yet come before God asking for his help. So I took things into my own hands and sacrificed the burnt offering. That was a fool thing to do, Samuel said to Saul. If you had kept the appointment that your God had commanded, by now God would have set a firm and lasting foundation under your kingly rule over Israel. As it is, your kingly rule is already falling to pieces. God is out looking for your replacement right now. This time he'll do the choosing. When he finds him, he'll appoint him leader of his people, and all because you didn't keep your appointment with God. <laughs> Jeez, dude. And this is why I need Jesus every single day. Yes. Because if... How often do I, you know, I think of myself, how often do I just want to take action, just take things into my own hands because I want to see something happen. Nothing's happening, Lord. Nothing's happening. I know better. You know what? I'm going to do something to make something happen. So being in constant prayer, like, Lord, what, what would you have me do today? Help me to hear your voice. Like I said before, I, I no longer pray God speak because I feel like he's speaking all the time. I'm just not listening. Mm -hmm. 
or I'm having trouble hearing. All I can think about is, man, we know how to really screw things up. We have an epic, epic capacity to screw things up in a heartbeat. All it takes is one stupid decision, one moment of weakness, one, you know, um, sometimes it's even the seed of resentment or a seed of, of doubt or anxiety or of fear or of lust or of hate or of distrust in our heart. And if we cultivate that and we just kind of keep watering that little plant of anxiety or distrust or dissent, like we just kind of keep nursing it and it grows and grows and grows. And this is why it's like, Lord, I told you the beginning of this year, first week, God said, just cling to me, cling to me and everything will be okay. And there'll be a blessing. So I'm like, I need to cling to you because I can't even cling to myself. I don't trust myself. Like I trust God, like God, I need you. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you just talked about is us acting in our human behavior or our human emotions being reactive to that. Cause who likes to sit and wait? I don't think anybody likes to sit. I mean, not just, well, I'm not going to say we don't like to, I think it's difficult. Especially as um, busy and as occupied and as frantic as our lives are now. There's just so much going on. We're hammered with information. We're hammered with appointments. We're hammered with friends, family, kids, you know, work. How many things? We're trying to manage them all. So being still is foreign. I heard this uh, from um, The Life You Always Wanted by John Orthberg. Mm-hmm. He said in the book, Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. Oh. Yeah. In that same book, he says, um, hurry is the sign of a, of an unordered heart, not an unordered schedule. Of a disordered heart. Dude. In Psalm 46.10, I looked it up, says, be still and know that I am God. There was, we were talking with, um, we were at, I, I love this, we were at a, a men's meeting, we have a men's meeting like first and third Saturdays, and we were all sitting there talking, and one of our friends, Steve, brought this up. We were talking about tithing. And he said, uh, he said, years ago, I started thinking about the concept of tithing my time. Yeah. I love that. That's two hours a day. He's like, what would life be like if we, if we tithed a portion of our day unto the Lord? That has enough weight to wreck somebody real quick. Are we willing to do that? I mean, I'm not saying go and do it, but he, he threw it out there and it hit me like, oh, wow. Because we think about tithing and giving and all that. And it's like, okay, that's one thing. But it, it, it hit different when he said, what if we tie the portion of our day? I'm like, oh, cool. When he said portion of that, oh, okay. It wasn't clicking the whole 10% of the, of the 24 hours. Mm. And then it's like, wait, that's, that's two hours. Oh, hold up. Every day. Every day. 
So I started wondering, it's like, okay, I'm going to try this. What is my life going to look like if I'm tithing a portion of my day, if I'm dedicating a portion of my day to him? Because doesn't the word say, it's the one time that when the Bible talks about tithing, test me in this. And I'll show you my blessing. There will be a blessing, right? So if, if that applies to our material goods, wouldn't that also apply to our time? What, what chapter was this? Psalms what? 8118? Um, be still and know that I'm God is Psalms 4610. Oh, 4610. And the unordered heart? which one? The disordered heart, there's a quote. I can't remember where it is. Oh, in the book. But there's a quote in the John Ortberg in The Life You've Always Wanted that hurry is the, the symptom of a, of a disordered heart, not a disordered schedule. Okay, I must have skipped over that or I just wasn't listening when I was listening to the book on Audible, but vulnerable moment here. That is me. Now that I'm, now that that picture has been painted for me, now I'm questioning what I'm prioritizing in my heart. Here it is. Hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. That's, that is, that is, that's me. And you put that together with the, with the tithing time. It's like, what if we order our hearts so that we give him, and here's the other challenge. Tithing is giving the first fruits. So what if we, what if we give him those first two hours of every day? I haven't had one of these moments in a long time where I felt the heavy conviction. And and it's it's not condemnation, it's not like guilt. It's the realization. And we and I, we've we've talked about this on on a previous episodes and we've talked about this in our, you know, uh, personal conversations outside of the, the podcast. But it's an understanding of my lack in prioritizing God. And it, um, and it's not that I'm not like, I'm not prioritizing him. I'm just not prioritizing him in the way that I should. And it makes sense. The conviction comes from, oh, that's why you're having a hard time right now. And you want to take control because you think you can do better. There's something else that I read again this week. This one hit me. Man, this one hit me hard. Here it is. This is from On Living Well. Man, this is just another one that just floored me. On Living Well by Eugene Peterson. One of the most common ways we avoid God to try to be so good that he will let us alone to be our own gods and run life the way that suits us best. But Jesus won't let us get away with it. He wants us, our hearts, in our warm love, faith relationships with him, not icily correct moral performances before him. I remember when I read that, 
One of the most common ways we avoid God is try to be so good that he will let us alone to be our own gods and run our life the way that suits us best. Boy, do we think we know better, huh? But God, I'm being good. I'm doing all the right things. The prosperity gospel. I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm doing all the things that are good in my my eyes. He's like, well, when's the last time you checked with me? When's the last time you asked me what I want you to be doing? When's When's the last time you spent time with me? When's the last time you let me love you and share with you what I created you to be? Who I created you to be? But we think we have a better idea. We think we've got that figured out on our own sometimes, often. And we look, we look at, you know, we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at whatever moral, you know, however much of that moral code, we look at some kind of moral code, it's like, I'm doing all these things right, I'm doing all these things great. I feel good about myself. But sometimes it's like, we don't have a relationship with God. We've neglected our relationship with God. We've neglected our communication with him. We've neglected asking him, sharing with him, spending time with him. How is it we can get to a point where we we feel like everything is going great? How can we get to that point when it doesn't include God? And this is why I need Jesus every (laughs) single day. Because I'll dilute myself into thinking. I'll deceive myself. Man, I'm doing great. Everything's going awesome. And if that's based in spending time with him and clinging to him, then yeah, you know what? It is It is great. It is awesome. If it's based in him. Yeah. You know, I think about uh, a lot of times I think I'm doing great because I don't do something stupid. Preach. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't struggle with porn. I'm not calling this girl at midnight. I am, you know, I'm not doing drugs. I'm going to church on Sundays. I serve. I, you know, I do audio. I play in the band. Oh man, I'm doing great. Those are great. Those are good things. But homie. <laughs> I just thought of those, one of those signs you see at the factory. You know, every now and then you see these signs at the factory, it'll be a sign that has to do with injuries. It's like 185 days without a work time loss accident. And, you know, it's something to be proud of. It's like, man, we've gone 185 days without, without an accident where we, where we, you know, had to stop. Well, that is great. If you've been working for 185 yeah. days, <laughs> but See, if, you, if you've been sitting on your hands for 185 days and not producing true. anything and not yeah. doing anything, not working, well, then that, there's not much to be proud of there. 185 days without a, an accident. Well, that's because you didn't do anything for 185 yeah. days. <laughs> See, that train that just passed, it was honking because it was like, bro, you're, you're saying something right now. You know, that, that goes back to a conversation you and I had a while back where, um, it's really easy to be a Christian in your bedroom. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had that conversation about, um, oh, I don't have an issue with, um, 
with envy. I don't have an issue with lust. I don't have an issue with arrogance or greed or pride. Yeah, lust's not a problem. Well, put you in a room full of attractive people. Let's see how you work. I don't have an, an issue with uh, with envy or greed or jealousy. Put you in a room with a lot of people that are that are really successful and really talented and gifted. Let's see how that feels. And that's like a black light for the human heart right there. Wow. You put us in community, and then I can I can feel a certain way in the comfort and safety and security of of my room. But you put me in community, our hearts get exposed quick. You start feeling things like, well, oh man, that person's attractive over there. Like, yeah. Or you start feeling things like, hey, why, why is that person getting praised? Mm-hmm. Why are they complimenting them? Nobody ever said anything to me. Yeah. It's like, man, what did they do to have such a good life? Must be nice. Why, why is everything so hard for me? Oh, and, no. <laughs> and it's like, it's like there's this spotlight gets put on your heart. Cause like those parts of our heart don't get tested until we're around other people. They don't get tested that way. When you're home by yourself, you, you can sit at home by yourself. Think you're a saint. Oh gosh. It's like, man, I'm so holy. I love the Lord. I have my private time. I'm laying on my face, you know, crying out to him and I'm having, and Hey, that's true. That we have those moments and we, we have to go to our prayer closets. We have to seek him and we have to spend time with him and we have to, to be at his, his feet and, and really seek to know the heart of God. But where our heart gets tested is when we're around other people. That's where we learn about grace. That's where we learn about mercy it's where we learn about forgiveness. It's where we learn about patience. It's where we learn about compassion. And I think what happens to us a lot of times is we go into those settings and we feel our hearts getting exposed, even just within ourselves. And we feel like, I don't like the way this feels. What's wrong with these people? I'm out. And all the while, I feel like God's saying, I'm trying to show you where, where you need work, where I want to fix your heart. And I showed it to you and you ran away. So you ran away, unwilling to, to address it. Yeah. I wonder why, and I'm going to say something, and so I'm just going to say it. I wonder why pastors don't talk about this more. What specifically? Living think, living it out in community. Well, I think sometimes they do. I've quoted Ross many times. Well, I'm, I don't mean our pastors, but... No, no, but just in pastors general. in general. Yeah. Um, I think they do, but I think often we don't hear them or we don't want to hear them. Mm, that's a good one. Because they may say it in a way that is... Um, cuts to the heart. Yeah, sometimes they... <laughs> Sometimes they say it in a way that cuts to the heart, and we're like, I'm out. Yeah. We black out and we leave. Oh, man. <laughs> or sometimes they try to say it gently, and we're not hearing it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one that, that still speaks to me. It's a holy, like, there's a Holy Spirit thing. Both the method and measure of spiritual maturity is relationship. How are your relationships with others? But some of this stuff, I don't know. 
I think often they're probably saying these things. I've heard them say a lot of this. Not like that. Yeah. But in different ways. Um, yeah. I've never heard a pastor say, hey, you want to know if you have an issue with lust? Go stand in a room full of attractive people. <laughs> You know, but I'll tell you, so many people will probably resonate with that and be like, yeah, 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 you're actually right. Oh, crap. You want to know if you have an issue with, uh, with, uh, jealousy or, or, uh, envy. Yeah. Go, go stand in a room full of people who are really successful and really talented and really gifted. Go stand in a room, you know, be in a, be in a community or in a setting where everyone around you is getting complimented and praised, but you. Come join the tech team. <laughs> You'll get tested real quick. But it's true, though. But it's in those moments that if we remember our identity is in him, if I've got his approval, and I know I'm his son. I know I'm his daughter. Yeah. I know that he loves me. Um, I think the question then would be, why is that not enough? I, I think I sent you that video on um on Instagram of uh about people being blunt. Did you watch it? I saw it come in, but I hadn't watched it yet. It's talking about people that are are honest and they just kind of say what's kind of on, on their mind. <laughs> Me. Uh, it was a, it was a, I'm just being honest. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. I'm blunt. I'm sorry, man. What a checkmate that video was. Uh, I don't know who the guy I've seen him like on social media plenty of times. I don't know who the dude is, but anyways, uh, basically he's coming down to, well, they're just because you're blunt and honest doesn't give you the right to be mean. And, uh, and in my mind, Sometimes I need someone to to be that blunt and honest where it feels mean in order for me to get it. But what I'm realizing is that is because I'm not willing to listen. The ugly truth. Yeah, like sometimes God will be telling you something and you don't listen. He tells you again and you don't listen. He tells you again and you don't listen. And then something happens and there's a circumstance that's dramatic. And then you listen. It's like, oh, man. But then you look back and you're like, wow. God was trying to tell me something a long time ago. I just didn't listen. If I would have just listened back then, this dramatic thing wouldn't have happened. My marriage. Oh, dude, what a hard pill to swallow. But I say that with forgiveness because I've taken accountability for the things that I know I wasn't great at and uh, made the changes that I need to. But this is where, um, this is where living it out becomes an important thing. Because I can say this all day long until I get into my next relationship and, uh, and live out the things that I've learned. Did I have to learn the hard way? No. But did I? Yeah. 
Living it out is hard. Oh, for sure. I think the understanding, the hearing it and understanding it, I think we've got that down. I think most of us can walk into a church service on a Sunday, hear a good message, hear good teaching that's clear, and we can comprehend it. Yeah. Could be moving. And we can even be moved. We can even raise our hands, say amen. Talk back at the preacher like, yeah, amen, preach, preach. But what happens Monday morning? How how enthusiastic we are. Our enthusiasm on Sunday is is not always an indicator of our walking it out between Sundays. Ooh, that's good. I can be enthusiastic, say amen, yes, hallelujah, whatever. But then on Monday, I do things my way. What did Darren say this morning about enthusiasms or something like that? Do you remember that? Was it the charismatic thing? Yeah. Charismaniacs? Charismaniacs. Charismania. Oh, charismania. He yeah. said charismania, but one pastor I, I we had used to call... You know, used to call some people charismaniacs because they were like all about the spirit, worshiping in the spirit, like dancing around, falling down, like speaking in tongues, like all of those manifestations, all of those different, you know, expressions of worshiping in the spirit. And he would like affectionately because he believed in the moving in the spirit, but he's like, yeah, yeah all y'all charismaniacs going to have fun, you know, at this service, whatever. Well, I also think about that in the negative what you just talked about, like we can act like we're, we're getting it. We can act like we're feeling the word and then come Sunday night, not even Monday morning, come Sunday night, back to our old ways. Oh, here we go. I knew you were looking for something. I was looking for something that had to do with that, with like hearing and actually doing. And again, it was from the, the Eugene, Darren recommended this book and I read, I'm going through it like second or third time now. Yeah. That good. I highlighted it so much. I think it's easier not to highlight it because yeah. <laughs> so much of it is good. The whole book. Yeah. He, has, uh, he said, um, people in the community to which James wrote made proud assertions of belief in God, but simultaneously treated the person that God created with cruelty and contempt. Belief for them was a religious emotion a mere fluttering of the soul in the presence of the sublime. But the emotion left no more impression on their lives than a footstep in the sand. Come on a Sunday, put that footstep in the sand, but is it changing our character? Is it, moving us, is, it, is it moving us deeply enough to change our character, our behavior, our heart posture? Is it changing how we see other people? Because I'll tell you one thing I know about God. I know he loves people. Another thing I know is that if I'm near him, I become more like him. If I profess and believe that I'm near him, I will become more like him. And guess what? He loves people. So if, if I feel like I'm getting near him, but I don't love people, there's a disconnect somewhere. And it's not on God's end. 
this conversation has me like figuratively, figuratively rolling on the floor right now. Like my spirit is shaking up. Like legit. We'll finish this podcast. And somebody within the next two, three days will test everything I've just said. 100%. Oh, <laughs> really, Adrian? Life, life will, will throw something at me where, yeah, bro. where God's like, okay, you think you understand that? Let's see. And there'll be somebody there. It's like, okay, do you really love them? Are you trying to bear my image? Can you walk this out? And that's as it should be. We should be, when we feel strong, it shouldn't just be this strong emotional belief. I mean, these things should be, they should be things that, you know, ideas that change our very character and our very behavior and change our our manner of thinking such that we behave differently. I was thinking, what comes first? The act of commitment or repentance in that situation. I think obedience is always supposed to come first. God, I'm just going to do what you asked me to do. And if I'm doing something that you told me not to do, then obedience means repenting, turning around, going the other way and saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not okay, I'm going to obey. And I think what should always be important or key is just obedience because repentance is the act of knowing it's it's kind of an act of obedience saying okay you've said not to do this i'm going to obey you and not do that i'm going to turn around and go the other way james 1 verse 26 you might think you're very you are a very religious person but if your tongue is out of control you are fooling yourself your careless talk makes you makes your offerings to God worthless. The worship that God wants is, is this, caring for the orphans or widows who need help and keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. This is the kind of worship that God accepts as pure and good. We talked about that this morning too, like the power of the, power of the tongue. Like we can either um, build people up or tear people down. And if you're, if you're not living it out, you're going to be jealous when you see people that are doing better than you. You're going to feel offended when someone speaks truth to you. And you're going to be rebellious in obedience. Now you got me thinking about everything I said. Oh, my cold up. What did I say? <laughs> what did I say this morning? What did I say in my meeting at work? Yeah. Oh man. Well, you know, this is the the picture that I that I hope people get from this is that we're just I mean, you're just like everybody else. Like we're not perfect. We're gonna fail. Um that doesn't give you the right to go be an a-hole to everybody. But our inability to be great is a human condition. That's why we need Jesus so bad. There's conviction in today's conversation for me, right? And it's an area that I know that I need to seek him in for, I think, a couple of reasons. Healing, because without that healing, I won't be able to 
act in the way that I need to. But also, I need to blow that idea up because then it doesn't align with his heart for people and for my life too. Mm-hmm. And so um, I can't take back the past. I can only move forward. Well, we've talked about this, the consequence of that, of, of the path that we've chosen. We have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so that conviction is me dealing with it, um, which is heavy. It's heavy when you have to deal with it because it's never comfortable. But I believe there has to be a, like a detachment so that you can get to a place where you can start moving in the direction that he wants you to move. Because mm-hmm. it's all, then I think, well, for me specifically, I'll fight back because change is uncomfortable sometimes, a lot of the time. And so that's, uh, that's what I'm getting from this conversation. And I hope people do too. I hope people feel like, all right, I may not have it down, but it's okay because I have a savior I can turn to and say, hey, I need help with this. We've talked about this. You know, mm-hmm. You've mentioned it multiple times on, on episodes. I mean, this is why we need Jesus, but you, we, that's why we need to go to him and, and have that conversation. Hey, you've said it before. I, I'm not really seeing what you're seeing in this person, God. I need you to help me yeah. right, right now. Same in this situation. Hey, these are behaviors. These are things, beliefs that I've had for years that, I, that don't align with you, and I need to go back, and I need to get rid of these things and align them up with what you are saying for me in my life and then living that out. This is the first time on this podcast that I've been challenged and wrecked. I'm just sharing the the convictions that that are on me. So I'm just sharing the love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sharing the love. I I throw rocks, man. I'm just no, I'm just sharing not. the love because I feel the you're same. Not. I feel all these same convictions, and I feel them all the time. Um, and I say I know I say that kind of jokingly, but it's it's not a joke at all. I need. Jesus every single day. I need to cling to him when my thinking, when my thought patterns start going a negative direction. When I, I start feeling myself, my thought patterns go into a, a negative or an unhealthy direction. I need to take that to him and say, Lord, Jesus, I need you. Yeah. You know, something something's going on that I don't understand or I'm feeling myself go into this this thought pattern that I've gone into before, or I'm I'm I feel fearful, or I feel anxious, or I feel this level of distrust, or I feel resentful, or envious, or you know, jealous, or whatever, or I feel like not enough, or I feel proud, and it's like Jesus, I need you because you're none of those things. I need, I, I want, I want to know your heart and I want to become who you created me to be. But I need to be near you. I need to clutch, clutch onto your hand and hold on to you in order to become that. I am not going to become that apart from you. You know, I notice when I'm not connected in the way that I need to with him. I start, and we all do, but I think for me, I'm just going to speak for myself. I start to believe the the lie from the enemy. I'll give you an example. There's a song that Bethel put out. uh, Brian Johnson sings on it. It's called uh, uh, Beauty. 
Oh, no, it's not. It's David Funk. He does a, he's the singer on it. It talks about God being beautiful. And there was a moment about a week ago where in my emotional baggage, I questioned, what's beautiful? And that was a moment for me where I'm like, oh, hold up, dude. Something ain't right. Because if I can't see the beauty in what God, who he is and what he wants for his people, then I'm not connected in the way that I need to be. Um, And I think that's why it's so important for, number one, having people like you in my life for that accountability. Because I can come to you, I have the, the trust in the relationship where I can be honest with you about these things. And you're not even quick to give direction, but you're in tune to listening to what God is telling you in that moment for me. And I feel it. Um, Cause I don't walk away questioning what you've, you've guided me in, in direction. And then over the days after, I start to see things play out in others. And I'm like, oh, I can see why God was saying that through Adrian. But it's good for, for me to have someone like you to be able to speak into my life like that. But also to stir up the question or to help me stir up the question in me of what I'm valuing that isn't from God. And that's what today is. And everybody that listens to the podcast gets to walk along this journey in my vulnerability. We need to be able to walk with others. We do. We got to find, find people to walk with and we can be prayerful about that. Like Lord, Surround me with people who um, are seeking your heart. God surrounded with us with people like that. You, it's like, yeah, man, I'll never forget that one time. It's like I had an issue with someone. It was a long-standing issue. Like, are you praying for? Me? Are you being a friend to them? And I just had to hang my head like, you know, I hung my head because there's the weight of conviction I felt on my spirit. It wasn't condemnation. Because there's that difference. Like, I think we know in our spirits, there's there's a difference between condemnation. Condemnation makes me feel helpless. Like, I just feel bad and guilty like there's nothing I can do about this situation. Conviction, it's like, if you'll only do what I ask you to do, if you'll do this thing, there'll be a blessing. Just do this thing I'm asking you to do. In conviction, there's always this, just repent from that thing or be obedient and go do this thing I've asked you to do or change your attitude about this person. Like there's, with conviction, there's always something that we're called to do. Yeah, there's direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. 
There's an action we're called to take. And that action sometimes is taking a step or stopping. It's like, okay, stop going in that direction. But there's something that we're called to do. You don't have that sense of, of helplessness and shame that comes from condemnation. That's the hope. That's, I feel like that's like God saying, I'm not done with you. If you feel like God is calling you to do something, it's like by definition, he's not done with you. Mm. Amen. Right? If you feel in your heart, you're supposed to, like he's compelling you, he's moving in you to do something. That very fact indicates He's not done. Yeah, it's good. Problem we we have is sometimes he calls us to do things that we don't think are as as dramatic or um, eventful as we think they should be. It's like, yeah, but God, you just called me to do this little thing. But that's not that's not significant. And God's like, if you only knew. It's like, it's not significant to you right now because you don't see my full plan. You don't see my will for your life. You don't see, you don't see what's coming. You don't see how this is just one step, one piece in this big, beautiful thing that I'm putting, this big, beautiful tapestry or puzzle that I'm putting together. You don't see that. So sometimes he calls us to do something that's seemingly insignificant and because it doesn't rise to the level of what we think is, oh, this this isn't a big thing. We don't do it. So maybe a couple months ago, I had, I had texted you this or told you about it um, in the Glorify app. It talked about faith. And, uh, and this is what I wrote down. Radical faith is not a theological exposition of faith. Rather an illustration of it a painting, but they also said it like a tapestry, a meaningful mosaic hyperlink through the other faith experiences in scripture. If you think about a, an artist painting, like they may start off with one color and you, know, you don't see it. Like Bob Ross, um, I saw something on, I don't know, TikTok maybe, or I don't know where, but they were talking about how all those paintings that he did, was never just a one-time thing. And they, you know, they're titling all these words about him and kind of telling the story. Well, what, and I don't know if this is true, like we have to go fact check this or whatever, but they were playing all the paintings that he's ever done and every single one meshed into this massive painting that he was creating over time. It was a journey of painting. And they just kind of kept fast forwarding through and it just like, it, you know, started off with what, what we would say as a kid, Oh, we're going to draw a tree today. You know? And he's like, we're going to add water here and you know, blah, blah, blah. This whole entire time, if this is true, I don't know if it is or not, but from this video I was talking about how he had planned for this painting to be a continuation of something else. And as you're sharing that, I was thinking of that like where we may be one painting of a tree entwined into this bigger mosaic 
was something I heard recently. I can't even remember where I heard it. We want a map through the wilderness, not a companion. Just give me a map and I'll go it on my own. I don't want a guide. I don't want to have to hold your hand, God, to walk me through those dark woods. I just want you to give me a map so I can do it on my own. We want maps through the wilderness. But when Israel went through the wilderness, they didn't have a map, obviously. They're walking around the desert for 40 years. With God. Well, trying on and off. Right. That was a problem. <laughs> yeah, they, he, they had him <laughs> in physical form, and they still didn't listen. I hear grace. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> I hear grace. Uh, yeah, man, life is tough when it's apart from God. And it's because we complicate everything. I just kept thinking, yeah, we want a map because we think we can do it faster than God. Idiots. You can't go faster than the person you're following. That quote will forever stay with me. That is so good. I remember the first time he told me that and I was like, gutted. I don't even know what the theme of today was. Do we ever know what the theme is? No. All right. That's a theme. (laughs) (laughs) That we don't know what the theme is. Well, I'm thinking for others that are listening that may be on the same journey of conviction that I'm on today, what is something that we could give them? The only thing I can think of, which we kind of started off with, is tie their day. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself right now. Tithe your day, Alex. That works. It's pretty challenging. Yes, it is. But I have no reason not to. We have no reason not to. Don't worry. Tomorrow morning, a lot of reasons will pop up. Just watch. Oh, they're, they're okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. You're right. You're, what you're saying is right. Yes. But yes. just watch what happens. Devil's gonna be like, "Oh, really, bro? Yeah, I, I got some reasons for you. Yeah, check out this Instagram post. Either day, that's a great action item. I should create a shirt now. And thanks to to Steve. Steve shared that, and it just it sunk in. Like, oh man, it kind of it takes tithing to a whole different level. It does it's a whole different level of commitment. It also changes the way that I, I look at serving because serving on Sunday isn't enough. Just like going to church just on Sundays isn't enough for the rest of the week. So that call to action is, it's really in your face to start seeking him intentionally and making time. We have to create that space because nobody's going to do it for us. Like, you know, I used to tell my, my ex-wife this all the time, like, or not all the time, but I've said this in, in conversations like I can't be the I can't be someone's faith. I think about that for my kids. I think about that for friends. My friends are not going to go to heaven because of my salvation. It has to be our own decision. You have to make your faith your own. Mm-hmm. But that does not give you an out to lack in relationship. Well, here's the irony: if we cling to him, it's going to draw us into relationship with others. Good. If we're really connecting with him and seeking God's heart, his heart is to love people. So if we're doing that, you're just 
you're just going to start loving other people. It's like you can't be in the same room with a, a five-pound block of um, plutonium and not be affected by the radiation. You're going to be irradiated. You're going to, it's going to affect you if you're really in that room with it. That also goes to sin too, or goes for sin. Mm -hmm. The more you play with it, the more you start looking like it. Sin always affects more than just you. You got to, you got to talk about that story. So, Growing up, I had a friend named Richard. We were friends in um, high school. I think we were freshmen. And Richard and his family, they went to a Pentecostal church. I remember, man, every time we talked to him, they were quoting scripture. We were reading the Bible like full on. They were following the Lord. I remember um, Richard's dad sharing his testimony with, with us, and I was I was still a teen, but he was sharing how he came to know Jesus. And the story was, um, him and the family, I think, were at a lake. They were vacationing at a lake or something, and God had been um, dealing with his heart. Richard's dad, he'd been dealing with his dad's heart for a while, and this man, he didn't, he wasn't responding to God. He was living in a way that he shouldn't have been. He was doing things he shouldn't have been doing. He wasn't responding to, to this tug, but he could feel God was drawing him. Um, but he wouldn't respond. He continued living in a sinful way. And he remembered hearing the scripture, the wages of sin is death. But it didn't wasn't enough to, to move him. But one time they're vacationing at this at this lake, and they're out on a pier, and this man's son, Richard, my friend, fell into the lake and was unconscious and started drowning. They pull Richard out of the water. He's unconscious. His dad's sitting there trying to revive him and trying to, you know, to bring him back to consciousness and just crying out, crying out to God and just pleading for his child and, you know, doing the chest compressions and trying to give him CPR and just trying to, to save his son. And at a certain point, my friend Richard was revived and he was okay. But what he shared with us was, in that moment, the conviction he felt in his heart was, the wages of sin is death. That doesn't necessarily mean your death. Our sin impacts others. We're not always aware of how. Sometimes we think our sin is our sin. This is just me. This doesn't hurt anybody else. This doesn't affect anybody else. Wages of sin is death. It doesn't say the wages of sin is your death. And that was enough to move him. That was enough to make him think of how devastating sin can be in the life of a family how it can affect more than just us. So, 
he became very aware of the effects of sin and and then he felt very convicted and then he came to know Jesus and he decided he made a decision to follow Jesus and that affected his whole family profoundly. And I remember, I think I was like 15 or 16 at the time that he shared that. I remember thinking, man, sin has a much greater impact than we realize. We in our, I think sometimes we're arrogant. We think, oh, this is, I've got this sin contained. It's a secret. Yeah, I can, um, I've got this little pet dragon that I can control until you can't. Because the other thing is it, it affects you. It affects your countenance. It affects your spirit. It affects your heart. It affects your mind. And that affects others. Yeah, it's going to affect the way you treat people. Yeah, so imagine spending that, that tithe. How much stronger that has on the effect of people. That, that's hopeful. Yeah, giving just a thought. That seems like such a powerful idea. Giving God the first fruits of our day. Lord, I'm starting this day, and you know what? I'm going to give you the first fruits of it. I'm going to take a moment to be still and know that you are God and that I am not. Try that for a week and see how different it feels. Even if your life blows up because the enemy is going to try hard. If your life blows up, is it better with God or without God? Oh, 100% with. That's where I was going, so I'm glad you said that because don't be that. Don't let that be a fearful thing of like, oh, hell. No, in fact, I mean, I think, I think often as believers, we, we're conditioned to play defense. Mm, yeah. God, guard me, protect me, cover me. But I think often God is calling us to play offense. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that video I sent you of that girl? She's like, we, when we are praying, we're praying with the authority of God. And she's, uh, she's like, uh, she starts going through a prayer. She's like, uh, I think she does the, the father's prayer. Mm-hmm. Our God, who are in heaven, hallowed be that name. She's like knocking out all these demons. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. How would our lives be different if we, if we're, if we're approaching um, our lives spiritually being on offense as opposed to defense? Oh, dude. Being Lord, I'm going to let, Lord, please use me and I'm going to allow you to use me and I'm going to ask you to use me in a way that furthers your kingdom. Not, not just sits in defense, wait, ready to react, but in a way that impacts and affects and changes the lives of those around me. Yeah. God, use me in that way. Lord, make me the type of person that when I wake up in the morning, the devil's like, oh, crap. Yeah, I'm stiff-arming de- demons. God, God, God. Oh, dude, that's, yeah. It, it's a different perspective. It's a different perspective. Yeah, it is. To, be, to go from defense to offense. And maybe that time in the morning... You know, it's like, all right, Lord, what's the plan for today? I just want to be with you. My plan for today is to be in your presence first thing. So as I walk through the rest of the day, I feel your presence. Yeah. Because 
There's no fear in that. I want to keep going, but we got to stop <laughs> because I got somewhere to be in 30 minutes. Uh, but it's, I can't believe what time it is. <laughs> it's about to be six, oh y'all. My How? We, we, we meet at 2.30. How? To start recording. It's, almost, it's like five till six. Yeah. Man, this was good. To, I was not expecting any of it. I had forgotten about that conversation at breakfast this morning. I'm thankful that you remembered that. Yeah, that's a, that's another action item. So tithe your day and start waiting on God, not waiting for God. Waiting on him like, Lord, what do you what do you need? What do you want me to do? Serving him. Now what do you need? But what, what would you what, serving him? Yeah. Wait on him, not for him. I got to take my own advice. I got to start taking his advice cuz he <laughs> that wasn't me, that was him. Oh, dude. All right, y'all. I hope this blesses you because it's it's wrecked me and I'm going to like, oh. Until next week, I'm going to be thinking about this. <laughs> we'll be praying for everybody listening. Yes. 10 episodes in and this is what you get. Um, man, I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, so next time, we'll talk to y'all soon. Later. Later. <laughs>